This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. Muck Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with Muck Delivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Welcome to another episode of the One Was Had a Dream podcast, the number one AFC Women podcast on the market. Uh, tonight, I will be uh, sitting down with Stephen Gregory uh, and having an interview with regards to uh, his playing time uh, when I spoke to him uh, earlier. Uh, but I have got with me the one and only Danny Baker. Danny, how are we? We good? I'm good, mate. Sorry I'm late. I've had an absolute shocker of a day. Absolutely chucked it down. I did hockey today. Oh my God! It was the it was like Noah's art was turning up, and I didn't think I could get any worse than Saturday's game. But today was lively. Yeah, one of them days. But yeah, apart from that, mate, all right, you all right? Yeah, very well, very well. Still ill, but oh, get over still. yourself, mate. I'm real. I've had sore throat this this last week. I didn't think I was gonna be able to come on today. Uh, Again, oh mate, I'm just literally. I think all I drink now is Guinness. I don't know if the Guinness is making me ill. Because at Doncaster, I drank a fair amount of Guinness again. I mean, you, you could always stop drinking Guinness for a bit and see what happens. Doncaster was quite funny. Yeah, well, it could do. But Doncaster, a really ha. good pub. The Leopard, good pint of Guinness in there. Good. <laughs> the, le- the Leopard. Right the Leopard. Station. Yeah, good uh, good stick and good domage on the Guinness I had. Uh, it was a good pint. But the funniest thing about that, right, I just want to say this story. Please. Me and two mates, one of them uh, sports more clubs than Tiger Woods. and One's a Wiccan Wanderers fan. And they come away once a year. They love it. We're in the pub and then we're, next thing we know, about 15 kids come in with all Burberry scarves, aqua scoot and all that. Ended up being, you know, have you seen that video that's gone round? Yes. Gone round? It was them. It's quite funny. They just, oh, right. Okay. They didn't, didn't say anything to about six, seven grown men, women and fans in the pub. Uh, but yeah, they, uh, they end up <laughs> dancing around the station, didn't they? And run off once a lone copper came and told them to move. I've, ne- I've never seen it like that. That was absolutely ridiculous. Funny. You also, at the moment, I don't know if you've got some weird light on you, but you look like you've caught a tan or an oompa loompa. Well, thanks, mate. I've just literally legged it home from work, jumped in the shower. There is a food 
right? That's my nemesis. I don't like it. I've never liked it. I've always hated it. And today, on the 29th of February, the day after my birthday, I hate to say to add. Oh, happy birthday. For yesterday, obviously. Thanks for the message. Appreciate it. Sorry, my boy's um, birthdays, weren't it? So. Is it card, in the, card in the post? 100%. So ever since I was a little boy, I've always hated this food. And I thought, do you know what? Sod it. So I bought one of these foods and I had it today and it wasn't brilliant, but I could tolerate it. What? I can't stand quiche. I think it's totally... Oh, oh, don't be stupid. It's absolutely pointless. It's it's a pie without any kind of pieness. No, it was just no, rubbish. No one goes to get a quiche unless you're about 50, 60 years old and your nan's buying it. Yeah, but you love a quiche. I don't mind a quiche. If, it, if I go to a buffet and there's a bit of quiche, I'll have a bit of quiche. No, you... No, no, Yes. No. Uh, Paul, Paul Lorraine is my favourite quiche. I just had some... Uh, I had but why did you get it if you don't like it? Because I this thing about, about five years ago, I decided what I'll do is I'm going to try all the foods again that I said I didn't like. Because basically, quiche goes back to like me being at junior school. Right, we, had one, we had one particular lunch, which was horrendous at my junior school. It was like quiche with like horrible tomatoes. It was just soggy. It became a soggy mess. I was like, I don't, I don't want to touch it. So I decided that I'm never going to have quiche ever again. Went to a wedding. All they had was quiche. So I started throwing it about when I got a bit drunk, bless me. Um, that was over in Cornwall. It's a great um, and then I was, <clears throat> oh, I don't know. It's not as good as just, it's too, what, just stick with what you know. Stay beige. Cocktail sausages, you know, chicken dippers. Sausage rolls. I mean, all that. But yeah, I had some and it wasn't nowhere near as bad. Have you got any food that's your nemesis? Like you're like, that, get that away from me. Uh, avocado, I don't get it. There's literally no taste. It's nothing. And I've tried to eat, I've tried to smash it, as people say. Put a bit of chili on it. Put a bit of salt and pepper on it's it. Just not bothered. It is shit. People who pretend to like avocado, uh, I, I I don't disagree. But I think it is a little. It's bit like people who pretend to like NFL. Weirdos. No, yeah, I don't mind NFL. Well, you don't. You don't really like it. You're just trying to be cool now. I mean, the but only people thing that I go also... into people that go into these posh cafes now and all the smash avocado on toast with two poached eggs. Get out. Slam the door on your way out. I was going to say the C word then, but that's what they are. I don't, I don't do that. The only other thing I don't really like, I've never ever got on with, is tuna. I don't mind a bit. My missus oh, calls it. Oh, my missus, no. my missus calls it tuna. Tuna. She goes, we got any tuna in the food, uh, in the oh, cupboard? Like, no, we have got tuna. Is she from Chicago? Is it like yeah. Chicago tuna? Because it's New tea, York apparently tuna. What tea with tuna? That means everything train like. Train, I, is, mate. I train. said this, and she's meant to be the intelligent one out of the two of us. Tuna, tuna, tuna. it's ridiculous. Uh, you, you need to have a word of her. I, I'm not, I weren't a big fan of sushi until she took me to some flash restaurant in South End the other day, which might shock people that there is a flash restaurant. But I was gonna a, say that there's a new one, there's a new one on the front. It's like a, a an Ivy Asia kind of deal, right? Okay, that's quite nice, yeah. And, and uh, I ordered some uh, dragon roll. All right. And it had a little bit of avocado in it. But have they, have they got a lot of dragons in, in South End, have they? It's more about the ingredients, I think, that make it the dragon. Of course, it's, course, course but it is. But it was absolutely superb. Absolutely superb. Oh, mate, it was amazing. <laughs> and I don't normally I don't normally go for that kind of thing. Mrs. really wanted loads of sushi. It was uh, absolutely superb. Which is, what's the one? Kashiyama or something, which is just rice and salmon. What, like sashimi? Sashimi, that's the one. Of course, it is. Thank you. 
rice and salmon, boring. Okay. And I was like, oh, I ain't having nothing boring like that. She goes, we'll put this like sauce on it. I was like, I, don't, I, I want decent grub. So I ordered most of ours, and then we did go for the dragon roll. I ordered gyozas, uh, nice. wagyu sliders. Oh, probably about five percent wagyu though. Uh, what else do I order? Five percent wag, ninety-five percent you. Well, yeah. Uh, what else did we have? There was a couple other dishes. I had about five dishes. Come out there still hungry. Hundred pound down. Cheers. Jeez, that's South End for you, isn't it? Ridiculous places. Anyway. Let's talk about Doncaster. I honestly he... think, having to give you some context, that was the very first time in my adult life, in fact, in my whole life, that my dad has left watching a game early of Wimbledon. I've, and I've never seen... We had to do it once, right? Way back in Sellhurst. We had to leave early. I don't know what the reason was. We played West Ham. Trevor Morley scored in the Premier League, might be 90, mid-90s. And we left that game 10 minutes early. We were watching it, obviously, we, we took the ferry, watched it in Normandy, you know, the, you know, the little debris on the coast. Yeah, lovely guy. You know, you know O'Malley's, and you've got the sushi place, and then lovely you've got, yeah. you've got Gaios's R Us, along that, all that, all that, that pathway. Went into the arcades, and Dad went, well, should we go and pop next door and watch football? So luckily, you know, Dino in the cafe, yeah, he put it on. Um, it was the first time I've ever seen him walk away from a game early, ever. It was pathetic. I I got there to the ground as we pulled up in the cab because we were running late because we were in a, a bar in Doncaster having a good time. And one of our mates didn't even go to the game. He said, no, not doing it. I'm staying in here. It's going to be more fun in here than going to the game. I've already been here twice. He stayed up there two nights and he was like, I'm not doing it. As we pulled into the ground... We had a cheer, which was them scoring. Yeah. And I don't think I saw another shot the whole game. Uh, and I left on the 80th minute because I wanted to get a cab back to the station, get my drinks and then get out there as soon as possible. Uh, it's the worst I think I've ever seen a AFC Wimbledon team play. Try and think Wimbledon would probably have played worse than that. But yes. it was it was horrendous. There was the subs did not make sense again. You bring Kelly off for Nurfield, and I, I get why his excuse was we thought Nurfield, because they had a 37-year-old centre-back, didn't they? We yeah. thought Nurfield... Wood, who won everything. Yeah, he was brilliant for him. Because if you go long ball to a geezer who loves winning headers, what do you expect him to do? But if you play on the floor against him, well, he'd struggle. That's why they do struggle. But Nurfield's pace was going to cause them issues. This is a guy, I love Nurfield, works hard. He's a winger, should be out on the wing. He should have come on for Tilly or Curtis. He's also only scored two goals this season. And we're changing him for Kelly, who is our goal for it. It was ridiculous. Curtis and Tilly were both awful. Yeah, agreed. Uh, I thought Reeves, I thought Little is look is looking now thinking, I don't know if I'm going <clears> to sign <throat> another contract here. It was awful. Pearson Brown, bless them. We know what you're going to get when you've got two 35-year-old centre-backs. I didn't think they had bad games, but I didn't think they were great. Uh, Curry was horrendous first half. Love Jack Curry, but my God. Yeah. It, it was, was like terrible. you. It was like you were playing. And Oggs, what, 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 what do you mean, me? Who's that bad? Well, I've got a couple. I think you find I've got a very cultured left foot. Ogendeer was okay. Uh, it was yeah, it was, and they were horrendous as well. Doncaster. I think that was arguably one of the more pathetic matches of League One of League Two football. A terrible advert for the league. I thought. <laughs> 
watching it, I was like, this is absolutely pony. Like, this is terrible. <laughs> I think the challenge again, I'm, I'm very frustrated that Jackson obviously didn't take on board what we said. We, obviously, he's not listening. I mean, I, I, I mean, he should really only listen to us. Probably one of the only ones who ain't. Well, it's just, I just, it's very difficult because we were everything that everyone said was exactly right. It's pony. We were terrible. I guess the only conversation point is if if Brown is going to have to play with Pierce, they they can't play high. They, they, it just won't work. We'll get mullered. We got mullered in it. We lost one nil. We'll lose five nil because we'll just get picked off every two minutes. So I guess it's just a question of while they're playing at the back, what can we do to be better than that? Because that was we basically decided to go long. They then decided, well, we'll just sit a bit deeper then. Anything that went over the top of Wood, keeper got it. And any any other any time that the ball went even near Wood, he just won the header. It was just like, what what are we doing here? And so I don't I don't really know if you're going to play that team. I'm not sure how you can navigate round to to do anything different. And I don't I, know. I don't know on the box if you could see, but the massive hole between our midfield and the defence. Oh, it was, it was, it was literally. One of my mates said, this is, this is the, the biggest gap I've ever seen in a football game. It was unreal. And they, if, as you said, if we tried to pass through them, they picked the ball, or if we went long, they won it. And then they just come straight for our midfield because they weren't one. Do, do you feel gap. like, do you feel like, and again, I was watching the game. I was absolutely devastated. I was absolutely livid for the whole day. Cause I was so gutted because it was such a brilliant opportunity. The results went our way. It's like, this is a great chance. The only team who really sort of Warsaw have gone flying up now are Crawley and amazing. We're still roughly in the hunt. I guess it's just a question of was the player so poor because of the way that we had to play? Or did we just have that game where you're like, oh my God, everyone has had a shocker because Tilly was poor. Curtis, horrible. Absolutely rubbish. I thought he was on Saturday. I didn't think he did anything at all. Yeah, he was. Boogie all tried, but just he couldn't win anything. Kelly basically got zero things to work with. Don't know. Problem we got is we've said it before. Like I think Malcolm uh, Crawley, you had about four players who had bad games, and then you lose one nil, draw one all. Yeah. Saturday, every single player apart from Bass and probably Ogundia were bad. Like Kelly, I don't think he was bad. He didn't get no. You're not going to give a striker service. He ain't going to do anything. He ain't Ali, yeah. as we I said agree. before. But the subs were mind baffling. Uh, the way we played was just. I don't. I don't get it. When you've got them players, why not change it round? Why are we having them two centre backs? I don't get it. But yeah, it was. It was. I mean, very... The only saving grace, and again, I've, I don't often listen to the debrief because I like to come to this with a very fresh feel. But I was listening to a few of the guys on the debrief, which I thought was interesting. A lot of the comments. The fact the only saving grace is for the very first time we actually played with three. He went right enough. We'll play three at the back, and that was one of the very few times we actually looked like the last couple of minutes we had a bit of a chance, and it kind of we could have been. I wouldn't say we deserved to get anything. We got exactly what we deserved. But at least I kind of saw a level of, right, sod it. We're just going to chuck something at it. Right. And it looks different. I know why he did that. Well, why did he do that then? Rob Toovey has AirPods in, doesn't he? Yeah. During that. So he's listening to the pod. And that's ah. 
as you got to the minute where we went, let's go through the back, yeah, he's yeah, gone, no, Johnny. That, 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 that does make sense. Johnny, come here, look what we've got. But, uh, Johnny, it was just, uh, the whole thing was a bit of an embarrassment. The problem I've got the, as well is being there, it got very toxic very, very quickly. Very quickly. Fans were arguing amongst each other. There was, when Jock, uh, Jackson took uh, Kelly off for Nurfield, you don't know what you're doing, booing that sub. Uh, and yeah, it was the first time where I thought, wait a minute, this is actually not on. We're still 1.2 points off the playoffs. The problem is, it, I said it on the debrief, is it because everyone can see what's happening? It's the same as last year, the same as the year before that. Come after Saturday, we could be as low as 16th, 17th. Yeah. And everyone can see this happening and get the spiral already in motion. And thinking yeah. there's no way we can stop this. We we're, we're suffering bad with injuries, but we're not changing anything around. We're still playing the same formation, same tactics, like we've got Lewis Johnson and Ali, and we haven't. So something I was, needs to I was, change. Yeah, I mean, I was going to ask you, like, what what do you think the frustration is? Is it the fact of we've sold our best player and now we're nothing, and that's annoying people? Is it the fact of we've actually got an opportunity that we could have been, we could be, we could be better than this, and we're not quite. Is it the fact of we we've dared to dream and now that's being pulled away and we're having a shocker? Is it because what we're offering is just rubbish? Is it because we're what we're offered is kind of what we've been used to and we know what happens next? Is it because of Johnny Jackson? Is it because of the fact that we're not going to be debt free until twenty fifty million, whatever it is? <laughs> what is, what do you think is the main underlying current? It's great. It's like it watching is. Groundhog Day. We sell our best player in Jan. Yeah. We get injuries. Yeah. We don't probably sign the right players in January. Yeah. And then, well, to be fair, Barma seems a good signing, but then he goes and gets injured. And we just spiral out of control. Then the performances, it's not even like Saturday, The perfor- everyone was really, really poor. There was no effort. That's the problem I have, Dan. We've said before, if we don't match a team because they're better than us, it's one of them things. You lose one yeah, nil, and that team is better. Doncaster were rubbish. They were just as rubbish as we were, but they scored Ironic- a good goal. Ironically, I actually thought the goal was a gondis fault. I didn't see the goal, so I can't comment. So, I personally felt that the goal was actually a gondis because a gondis decides to stay with a player when actually the player was probably the centre backs, and had he stayed there. He could have quite easily gone there, just drifted across. He kind of left a big gap, big hole, and the guy running it and scored. Nice finish, um, but I kind of felt that. But I, I, I don't know. I don't. I don't really know how I feel about it. All I know is I was absolutely frustrated. I think we've been talking about it for ages, but we've kind of run out of steam here, and it'll just be. It's it's going to be a huge shame for me. We could still back to back it. We're on a terrible slump. The only good news, I guess, is that we're on a bit of a... And a, The reason why I think it's a slump is because it's not just the results, it's the performances. Performances, yeah. And we've kept clean sheets by being negative and boring, but we've almost gone backwards. We've just come back to March last year where we're just like, right, we'll just dog it out. Well, we'll hopefully we'll get... We'll have a nil-nil, we'll nick one. We haven't had any kind of quality, any kind of structure, and I'm... I'm really concerned about Saturday. For me, I actually, I'm, I am concerned, but I actually think it's a good time to play them because of how bad we have been. 
and the pl- the fans won't have it. I don't think so. I just think yeah, we've got. I just think the problem we got is we have got an excuse for the manager at the moment in the fact that he'll just come out and say injuries and we sold Ali, and that shouldn't be the case. We have got a good enough squad without Ali. I know the centre back losing your spine is a massive thing, but yeah, we should have enough in that squad. Lee Brown, Pierce, Ball have all been around that squad all season. So if one goes out, someone should be able to, they they should be able to be relied on. If they're not, get Sutcliffe in, get McLean in, get Morgan Williams in. But yeah, uh, are we is that it for Donnelly? Because it's quite boring to be fair. So. I, I just think the whole thing was a real shame. I felt really sorry for the people who went down there. Cheers. I'm interested here about the twenty quid pizza and beerathon. The boys um, loved it apparently. I, I said did I, they? I thought Donny was a really nice place. To be fair, it's a northern town. Everything was open, no shops boarded up, no places boarded up. Yeah, loads of pubs, loads of bars. Uh, yeah, good place. People we spoke to were all friendly. Uh, yeah, I, I, I quite like Doncaster as a place to go for a drink. Yeah, good Guinness. I, 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 like I said, there are, there are, it's just a, a real shame that they had absolutely nothing to play for. Hmm. And we've kind of just been done over by a team who had nothing to play for. A bit frustrating. Yeah, I know. But, yeah, we can either be really pessimistic about it or just move on. So I think we should move on. Right, we'll move on. Uh, and when we come back, you'll hear my interview with Stephen Gregory. I sat down with Stephen Gregory uh, and we spoke about his time at ASC Wimbledon. Terry Brown, New Ardley, uh, the game against Milton Keynes in the FA Cup that he played, he was captain in uh, when he left Wimbledon uh, and, and everything else uh, that he wants to speak about. And then me and Danny will come back for the final part of the episode with uh, our preview for the game on Saturday. See you in a bit. The Wombles had a dream podcast by the fans for the fans. Welcome back to the podcast. Uh, as we said previously, we have a, a big interview uh, for this week's podcast. That is ex AOC Women player Stephen Gregory. Stephen, how are we? We're good. We're very well, thank you. I'm all good. Good, good, good. So uh, we'll touch on your time with AOC Women, but what are you doing currently? What is your, what are you, are you still involved in football? Or are you doing because the person who got me in contact with you, he's it's a gym. He, yeah, so he sees runs, you, so. runs a member at my gym. So I've got uh two gyms now. Um, so when I finished playing, I started up a boot camp and uh became personal trainer. Nice, and then uh basically put my life savings into opening a, a gym, uh, from where I'm from in Buckinghamshire, and um. It went luckily it went really well um it's led us to open another one now in oxford so yeah um yeah own uh own a couple of gyms nice so you're you're on the next joe wicks is that the plan or is... no i should be because he's probably got a lot less outgoings and a lot bigger income but um, <laughs> but no yeah uh, yeah i've got a lot of respect for him he he, he did the whole boot camp thing and he's yeah, through social media which isn't exactly my path i like to be uh actually communicating um face to face but um but yeah that's how obviously john put me in touch with you guys and um and hooked up he actually came to the boot camp because it wouldn't have been that long after i stopped playing and then uh he obviously saw this boot camp advertised that said stephen gregory on it and he was like nah can't be can't <laughs> be um and uh then he came along and he was sort of like I can't believe you're because it would have only been three or four years probably after I played that game MK game and uh, yeah he was quite surprised and he's been there ever since. Cool, and he wears cool. his women's shirts to every session. <laughs> you're good. Hope you hope you make him work as well. Hope you make yeah, him work. Yeah, 
So tell us a bit about your football career before you signed for us, because you was at Wickham Wanderers, weren't you? Was that as a youth player or as? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's kind of my nearest professional team to where I live. So it's like 15 minutes up the road. So uh, yeah, joined there when I was, oh, I was at Oxford for a couple of years when I was sort of 10. And then I left there and went to Wickham at 12, 11 or 12, and just went up through the center of excellence and then into the youth team and then made my debut at 18 um but never never cemented you know a first team spot really i i i play i had a whole so i made my debut last game of of the season and then the rest the next season i was pretty much just on the bench the entire year um made about a dozen sort of appearances off the bench never got a start and then the, the following year I went out on loan um to Hayes and Yedin um in the which were in the same oh no that season they wouldn't no that season wouldn't have been in the same league as Wimbledon I think Wimbledon were in the league below at that point because Wimbledon only had one year in the conference south didn't they yeah we went straight through it yeah and then we won it so, so the year before you were in the conference south that was my year on uh three months on loan at Hayes and Yedin uh, so I did three months there, went back to Wickham for a bit, clearly wasn't going to get a sniff, and then went to um, Haven Waterlooville for a month. And my first game was Liverpool away. <laughs> nice, lovely. Um, which I didn't play because the guy, obviously, it would have been totally unfair to bring me in on loan and stick me in. Um, but, yeah, sat on the bench there, which was a big reason why. I, it was like miles away from where I lived, and they wanted me on loan. I was like, ah, no. That's way too far. And I looked at the fixtures and it was like, hold on, Liverpool. Well. <laughs> yeah. I was signed there for a month and then uh, went back to Wickham for the rest of the season. Contract didn't get renewed. And then I went and joined Hayes and Yedin uh, in the Conference South and then obviously came up against Wimbledon a couple of times in that division. Um, Wimbledon won the league quite comfortably and we beat uh, Hampton and Richmond in the playoff final. Yep. Um, and uh yeah, I scored somehow, believe it or not, scored two goals in the in the playoff final. And um Terry Brown was at the game. And uh yeah, just uh he rang me up a few days later. Um obviously I was high as a kite anyway, because we were we were going up. Yeah, and the team had no right to go up, Hayes and Yedin. There was no had no right to be in the National League. <laughs> Who's the striker that was it? The striker that Hazen Yedin went on and he ended up going to Birmingham. Oh, I forget his name. He had all tattoos all over him. Did you have him at the time? Uh, mixed race geezer with tattoos all over him. Sweet oh, fan. oh, no, no, yeah, yeah, he was before me. Wow, um, okay, yeah, I know you mean, I can't think of his name, but no, no, no. but we had in that team, so Will Hendry was in that team who ended yeah. up a bit, yep. Uh, um. He was unbelievable in that year, and um, a guy called Josh Scott, and all, all the three of us left um, in that summer. Josh Scott went to Dagenham Redbridge, and then um, I will stay for a bit, and then he came to Wimbledon as well. Um, so yeah, and then I'd obviously played against Wimbledon, and, and you know when you're playing in the in the Conference South and you're going to Wimbledon away and you're getting four thousand people. Yeah, watching the game, and I'm playing at Hazen Yedin with 300. It yeah. was sort of a no-brainer, really. Um, and the ambition of the club, obviously, to to go and um, and uh, and go into football league, 
you know, match my ambitions of getting back to the football league. I had a, I had a pr- point to prove. And I think Terry was brilliant at that. It was picking up lads that had a point to prove. Mm. Um, and yeah, you know, that's how I was, was going to ask, what was it like playing them day against Wimbledon? Because we, we had a lot of people who played like, well, we spoke to Lewis Taylor. Did you play with Lewis Taylor yeah. at all? So we spoke to him recently. He's at Chipstead now managing uh, and saying, what was it like playing against Wimbledon, as you said, you're used to 300 people playing and then suddenly you got, even away games, we'd be taking 2,000, 2,500. What was it like playing against us back in them days? Well, the first experience I had was playing you guys at Hazen Yedin. So as I said, we would average 300 and then played Wimbledon and there's a 1,000 people there. <laughs> so it was like, okay, well, this is pretty cool. Um, and we actually won that game. We beat We beat you 2-1, I think um or one nil we we nicked a win basically and apparently i mean brownie said to me that he wanted to sign me after that game but i don't know whether he's just um he was just trying to hype me up a bit (laughs) time but um yeah we we beat you then and then obviously went away it was a tuesday night actually and i was late i remember it so it was tuesday night game and I'm come, traveling in from from over here in Buckinghamshire, got stuck on the M25, um, and was panicking massive because I knew I knew there'd be a big crowd, and I was thinking I cannot miss this game, you know. And then, so I'm arriving to the ground when all the fans are piling in. So you obviously meant to be there. So seven forty five kickoff, meant to be there at six fifteen. I'm turning up at like seven, like I was properly late. Um, so I'm getting there where all the crowds are piling. I'm thinking, oh my goodness, you know, trying to get through all the crowd and and that. Oh, no one had a clue who I was obviously, and got got myself in there. Players were already out warming up, so I quickly get changed and, and go out. And then like already, there's like probably a thousand people in there, and like you know, we're obviously used to playing mm-hmm. uh, with three hundred. Mm-hmm. So I was like, oh my. This is incredible. And then I remember the game really well. You guys spanked us three or four, one, I think it was. Played really well. And the crowd was like rocking because obviously you guys were going for the league. Yeah. Uh, uh, John Main scored two or three. Sounds like Mainy, to be fair. And I, and Sammy Hatton was playing centre mid and like directly against me. And me and Sammy became really good mates. But, um, Obviously, we had heard about John Main, right? He'd scored a bucket load of goals in that league. But actually, he's just one of those players that he, he does very little in a game, right, Mainy? And he won't mind me if he ever if he ever she does hear this. But he doesn't he does nothing in the game, but ends up scoring a brace or a hat trick. And I remember saying that to Sammy Hatton. I was like, is he actually any good? Like, because I haven't seen him touch the ball, but he scored two or three goals. And he was like, Yeah, mate, that's all he does. He just scored. He's not interested in anything else. So I remember having that chat with Sammy on the pitch at the time. <laughs> During the game. Yeah. And then I said to Sammy Hatton, it must be good playing here. And he was like, yeah, it's phenomenal. I remember him saying that like during the game. And, uh, and yeah, so um, as I said, sort of as soon as Terry called, it was like 100%, I'm in. Let's do it. So, um, yeah. So, because everyone you speak to who's played under Terry Brown, they've got nothing but good things to say. It was it was it that good to play under Terry Brown? Was he that good of a manager at that? Because he never really broke into football league, but at non-league, he was like 
Pep, Klopp, all rolled into one kind of thing. He was just unreal at non-league. Like he, he even went back to Aldershot recently and done done well then. Uh, it's interesting because like he's, I struggle to put my finger on why he was so successful. Really, because uh, not in a, not in a disrespectful way, just in a um, just an all rounder. I would say like he wasn't like outstanding at one thing but he was so i would one thing i would say his recruitment in non-league i think is the best well obviously the team he put together for us to go up like no one had heard of any of the players like mm. pre-season you have players turning up he completely changed the entire squad other than like five or six of us and then you know you've got lads that are, you know it, the first season I was there, it it was part-time still. So it was like quite old school, I would say. Um, and I think Brownie was obviously used to that, having been non-league a lot. Uh so his main sort of motivator was to be was to like shout and scream and motivate a bit of the hairdryer now and then. Um and then he completely changed really going into the second season, which was then we went full time, so we lost loads of players um, who had got jobs and careers and stuff yeah. that could do that. And then, yeah, you're you're turning up to preseason, and there's lads there like Jolly, uh, Christian Jolly, Minchel, Sam, Sammy Moore, um, you know, from lower leagues or like no one or coming out of academies. Fraser Franks, Ed Harris, yep, Ricky Wellard, um. Brett Johnson was the only one I think that had played in the football league. Uh, so like all these lads, it, no one's ever heard of. And you're like, hold on a sec. I thought we were, we've all been told here we're going to challenge for the league, but like we're just signing a load of Ryman players. They've not even played in the conference, let alone, but obviously you saw what happened that year. It was mm. phenomenal. Um, so that's one thing I would say. I think his recruitment is just out of this world on a budget. And then, um, He's got a very clear way that he wants to play. Well, he did anyway with the diamond and like to the point where we used to do a drill on the training pitch called the clock. So when you receive the ball, you would only have four different options. Basically, um, you were never allowed to pass sideways. So it was either like diagonal forward back. But like sideways pass was like the end of the world, like if that happened. So it was the coaching was was good. Um, and Kashi was a part of that as well. Then mm. on a match day, he would do some brilliant inspirational sort of team talks. Um so yeah, he was like an all-rounder, really, recruitment, coaching, and motivator. So that's that's a marking of a good manager, to be honest. Yeah, as everyone loves him at Wimbledon, he's he's an absolute treasure down at Wimbledon now. So, yeah. Uh, so, what what are your fondest memories of playing for AFC Wimbledon? Have you got something where it just sticks out in your mind where you think like the best goal you scored or something happened or was it the Still, playoff final or yeah. playoff final was the best day I've had as a footballer without a doubt. Um, yeah, hundred percent. That was the best day. I think just all of that season really was just. I mean, by far, my happiest playing days was the season we got promoted. Um, the team we had, the spirit we had, togetherness, how young we all were, 
just everything really. I, I, I remember a few games just thinking like it was so fun to play because we did try and play football as well. Like we weren't lump it, kick it. You know, I was playing at the bottom of a diamond and they Terry was adamant that it came through me and that I would start the play. So I felt um, like a big part of it. Um, and I was never a goal scorer. I, I didn't even score a goal that season, but it didn't matter. You know, it was like, that wasn't the point. It was just the fact we were winning 3 4 nil most weeks. So John Mayne and Danny Kebble to do that, didn't we? So. Exactly, yeah. I mean... <laughs> you just set them up and they score. Yeah. And so, uh, you got so it. yeah, it was just, it was all that season. And then obviously to finish it in the way we did was, was, was insane, yeah. Yeah, Manchester's brilliant for me because I went on a stag do in Magaluf and I flew out and I came back for Manchester. So I flew into Manchester and got a taxi from Manchester Airport straight to the city of Manchester Stadium and got there literally about 10 minutes before kickoff. And then the whole game, I was just like, anxiety was going through the roof because it was like, do you know what I mean? I had one of my mates with me who was like, we're going to lose this. Are they going to score? And it was just like, it was the worst game of football to watch as a fan. Yeah, I bet. Because it was such on edge. Uh, I've never felt more relaxed though. I'll be honest. Like I was I was more nervous um at, with Fleetwood at home when we were 2 0 up. So we beat them 2-0 away. Hmm. And I was so nervous before that game because I was like, we've got so much to lose. We're like one step and losing in the semis almost worse in a way. Like so I was actually more nervous for that Fleetwood game. And but like I don't know, something there was such an overriding confidence going into that looting game, the whole squad. It was such a relaxed atmosphere. Again, Terry's a massive part of that. The form that we had going in, the fact we just smashed, we just rolled Fleetwood like six something at six, home. Yeah. Like we had such a lot of confidence that we were like, there's absolutely no way we're not winning this game. Like even on pens, it was like we just had the yeah, we just had had confidence that we were going to win that game and so much belief that we we're going to win that game. And although Luton did have chances, I think if you watch the game back, which I have, like, I do think we we played the better football. And agree. I think we were the most fearless team. Um, and I think that showed. I think there was way more pressure on Luton to win that game. So, yeah, nothing but good memories, really. That's mad because we played two player finals. Played. The one uh, see Manchester. Then we when we got into League One, and yeah. both times both squads have said they've never been more relaxed. That there was no way we yeah. were getting beat in either one of them. Uh, and as I said, the the Man- see Manchester one, I, I I really struggled to watch it. And like I was on edge. The the one against Plymouth for Wembley, I I walked down Wembley way again. There's no way we're losing this, and it's just yeah, mad how the team can do that. But yeah, I think maybe it was the amount of drink I had in uh, Spain. Just before arriving in Manchester, it probably gave me the fear <laughs> more than anything. But uh, so yeah, so I've there's rumours going around that the team went out and went out on the in Manchester after mm-hmm. and celebrated like never before. No, I've never been more hungover than I think than the next day, and we had to do get on the bus back to the ground and do a talk oh, yeah. like a pitch walk. I was a mess. Um, I don't actually remember much of it, like. Uh, we went out. I can't tell you where we went, but we saw the Luton players um, out. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so I knew because we played at England C, and a lot of their players were playing in that. So like Barnes Homer and a few of the other lads. 
um, I knew pretty well, to be honest. And I saw him and I went over there, obviously pissed up, and was trying to be like friendly to like Barnes Homer and stuff. And he was just obviously like, if they did that to me when I had just lost and they were still in their suits and stuff and we were all there with our missuses and, and just partying basically. And they were just like long face. They didn't want to be out, but they I think they just forced themselves to go out and try and drown their sorrows. But yeah, we saw them out and uh, yeah, I, I just sort of bowled over there. <laughs> Hey boys, how are we doing? And they just like, no, get how are we doing? Yeah, you, yeah. this appears in the biggest game, of, but they're doing all right now, Luton. To be fair, they're in the Premier League now, <laughs> yeah. so they can yeah. thank us for that. Yeah, for that defeat made them. Yeah, and also, if you I actually that... went, I actually went, um, first time back to Kenilworth Road, I went to watch the United game a couple of weeks ago. So weird watching a Premier League game now. It is weird because yeah, it's, it's an awful stadium for. Yeah. Like one of the best I've had is when Danny Cable scored a goal there, Wimbledon win 2 1. Uh, yeah. That uh, was wicked there. but And also, you can always be a bit leery when you've got Danny Kevrell standing behind you because we heard rumours that he was an ex-bare-knuckle uh, boxing champion when he was younger, but I don't know how true that is. But yeah, he, is, he can be a scary man when he wants to be, for sure. Well, we we went up to Gateshead once and he was in in Newcastle with all the players there and stuff and he looked like he had yeah. a, pair of, a pair of glasses on and he looked like Brosnan. Uh, and oh, he was, yeah. yeah, he was quite drunk. Yeah, he was telling us all this stuff that was he was going to do in his football career, and he's going to come back and manage Wimbledon one day. So hopefully, he will do one day because he's still nice. a legend. Mm. So, so we'll move we'll move on to the game. Obviously, we're playing this this weekend, and we're playing the Scum uh, yeah. at home. Uh, loads of people don't like mentioning their name, don't like mentioning it in the comments and stuff, and just try to pretend they don't exist, which. I kind of agree that that's up to them. I'm on the other side now where I actually think it's a bit of a rivalry now because I'm getting sick of them beating us and beating us uh, regularly. Like the last time we played them, we, we it was embarrassing. You played in the FA Cup game there. What was that like for you going up? Did did you have to be told about what that game meant to the fans or did you already kind of know? No, it was, it was strange because I'm like a Wimbledon fan, right? I from going through the non-league thing and then experiencing the promotion and seeing what it meant to everyone, I um, I knew, like I knew what, how, I remember hearing the draw on the radio driving, I had to like pull over because I knew like this is enormous. Like I knew how big it was going to be and I was on loan from Bournemouth at the time. So I wasn't even a player, but he, Neil Eiley made me captain. So I'm thinking like, I'm going to be captain for the first time like I just like straight away, it was like two weeks away. My whole thing was like, this is this is massive, like huge. Um <laughs> but there is there's a bit, there was a bit of drama from my point around the whole thing because I had actually booked uh, this this never happens in football, but basically when I signed, I was best man at uh, a wedding. Okay. And it was on on that Saturday. Okay. Right. So the game, the um, the round before we had York and we went to a playoff, a uh, playoff, a replay. Replay, yep. And um, and I had basically said to the manager, if we go through this, like I've like I'm best man at my best mate's wedding on that weekend that the game's on. And he was like, okay, well let's just talk about that once it's been once we're through. Um, anyway, we get through and we get MK. And I'm like, oh my God, like, 
I'm going to have to miss my best mate's wedding here as best man. Um, and then the game got moved to Sunday. So yeah. the wedding was on the, on the Saturday. And um, Neil Ardley basically was like, look, we are traveling on the Saturday. So we're going to train Saturday morning and we're traveling um, the Saturday after training. And um, we're going to the hotel in Milton Keynes. He said, you can go, you, you got to come train in the morning. Um, you can go to the wedding, but I need you in the hotel by eight o'clock. So I was like, yeah, fair. Like, whatever you say, like, is fine. I don't mind. I thought I was going to miss the whole thing. So I missed the ceremony and then got to the wedding at about half two, three. Basically did my speech. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then had the had the food and then got back to the hotel. Um, and then, yeah, so that was already a bit surreal. And and the week leading up to that was crazy. The amount of media at training and I'd done loads well, of interviews because I was captain and it was just massive. It was the first time we we played them since obviously yeah. we chairman, were assuming Eric, chairman Eric didn't go to the game. Yeah, loads of people still don't. Um and it was just massive, yeah. And like, but I think most of the players didn't really realize Jack Midson did. Like there was a few lads that knew how big it was, but there was that that squad was kind of assembled out of lone players and like late signings and stuff like that. So it was tough. Because there's, there's one player who's literally a Wimbledon legend, a Wimbledon hero, and he played one game for us pretty much, uh, Toby Achala. Yeah. And he goes down as a Wimbledon legend because he yeah. literally nearly broke Dean Lewington's legs in that challenge. Have you seen it? You, you obviously saw it on the day, but I don't know if you remember it. But he goes in, he wins the ball, in my opinion, but Dean Lewington ends up in the air. We right. hate Dean Lewington with an absolute passion. He yeah. then goes on his back crying. And everyone then just that that photo will come out all this week, like because he's. Oh, if I knew that would make you a legend, I would have done that. Well, that's what, and the thing you say about a lot, some of the players don't know about. This is why I think Wimbledon fans now are getting quite frustrated with how the club are approaching the game. Is that they should be telling all the players like what it actually means. Sit down and show them like the history of. Yeah, so so it's interesting that because when I signed, we got a history lesson from Ivor. Yeah. Um, and Trevor, uh, like they took us away to Isle of Man for pre-season. And then, yeah, we basically had a whole presentation on it. Um, and then straight away, it's like, right, okay, you're playing for more than just yourself here. Um, so that's like stayed with me forever. But when players join mid-season and stuff, like I think they still do that now on pre-season tours and that. But you can't do that every time a player signs. Mm. Um, I hope they still do it anyway. Um how how did it make you feel as a player? Like obviously you said you knew about it and stuff, but does it make is it hard then to not get to ca remain calm, kind of thing going into the game? As you said, it's more than just about yourself. It's about all the fans, the, yeah, the people like Ivor, Trev, um, people that've been I, there from the start. Yeah, so I had played. I played at that stadium with Bournemouth, so I'd kind of yeah I. <laughs> I tried to obviously treat it as a match, right? I knew I knew how... But the thing is, as a player, you can't let that occasion mm. just go and perform. And we had... I mean, we we were regimented in the way we were going to play, right? Because MK were a really good footballing team. Yep, they, they still are, to be fair, nowadays. Yeah, so, so 
they were going to play out the back and we just had this like it was hot I mean we barely had any possession but we did it really well like we were so compact and all week in training we were just working on this shape 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 like usually you wouldn't know who was going to play till the Friday we knew on the Monday who the starting 11 were going to be and we just drilled down that shape it was like don't let him score don't let him score and then that lad hit a worldie um just before half time um and that was the only way they were going to score really because they couldn't break us down hmm. so the game plan actually worked perfectly apart from that one strike and almost if it wasn't me on the receiving end of it almost worked perfectly because we knew we could then try and catch him on the break or nick it high up the pitch as the game went on um so yeah it was like i was trying and most players would do this not to let the occasion because basically we have been so well drilled in your shape if you let the occasion get to you and you go right i'm going to go and thump someone that will massively expose yeah expose right you have to be disciplined in what you're doing so i think luckily i'd I'd had a year in league one already and had understood a bit more professionalism and stuff like that so was able to manage that situation but yeah like after the game like obviously having missed that chance i didn't sleep for like two weeks um i really actually struggled like it's probably the hardest it's probably the lowest i felt really because i've never been really like that but it's the lowest i felt because um well obviously we lost mk so it was it was hard the way it happened was was horrendous for me personally yeah because there's three things on that game that the different twists so one jack midson scores everyone goes absolutely ape like we do we have sent mambo was it mumbo the guy from cholton he's going absolutely ballistic he only played like 15 games with Wimbledon, and he was and then it's the only time I've seen people actually, the commentators and stuff, actually back people for going on the pitch and stuff and saying just about an emotion. And since then, I think MK have had to actually change where they put away fans. They put them up in the sky now. They, well, they never put us down below again because they're mm-hmm. so scared we'll run on the pit and we literally just run the whole place if we wanted it that day. The second one we spoke off air before and before coming on was why did you not pass the ball across to uh, Charlie Strutton, who was... For, and you said you didn't see didn't see him, and then now you said that you've missed a chance. You felt really bad, but I, I feel bad for that you did feel like that because at that at that game we were as Wimbledon fans. I walked out of there so proud of Wimbledon and the way we played, and I think that's what's missing lately with ASC Wimbledon and the way we play against them is we don't seem to have that pride. We don't seem to be well drilled enough. It ain't been put enough into it. Uh, but yeah, one of my mates said, make sure you ask him why he didn't pass. But you said you didn't see that yeah, pass. Like, honestly, that's the first time anyone's ever said that to me. And like, obviously watch that back so many times. Like people in my gym bring bring me the YouTube clip. Like, uh, that's, yeah. that's nice. And, like, I've always thought I've just went gone the wrong way. So I've obviously gone and tried to go across. And I should have just opened up and sort of bent it in the in the nearer side. That's all. Whenever I see it, that's all I think. I think I should have gone the other way. Um, and I didn't hit it well enough to get um, to get to get a shot away. But yeah, I've never even once seen. I'll, next time I'll look back after this and I'll look and see what chance. The, the problem is you're talking about people, Wimbledon fans who have never played the game. We're going. Why didn't you pass it across the? Yeah, you know I mean, so, like, in the heat of that moment as well. I was just seeing the goal. Obviously, I I've won the ball high up the pitch, and the goal just opened up. So. 
Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order mug delivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. I didn't, I didn't even look sideways. I'm just focused on the goal, yeah. And the third one was obviously their, their winning goal. Yeah. They literally just hit a shot. Mm. It bounces off the back hill of, uh, I don't know who scores then, and it loops over Neil Sullivan at the time. And that, for us, is the one that sickens us more. Like, your chances, that's okay. football. As I said, yeah. we were very, very proud leaving that stadium that day. Yeah. Uh, it didn't go down nicely after the game outside the stadium. Uh, but yeah, it, we were proud that, and then obviously they scored. What was your thoughts when that go? Because we, as you said, we played so well. We were so well drilled. And then that goes in. Yeah, just, I don't know. I, we, you know, you go from thinking you're going to win the game because... You know, my chance was tipped around the post, so it was a corner. So we're attacking then, and we're thinking our tails are up. We're going to either get a replay or we're going to, like, losing it. The game wasn't really a, a thought. Um, and then, you know, concede a corner, and then that happens. And yeah. I don't know, man. It's just there. Uh, it was heartbreaking, honestly. It was really, really hard. I, the, the atmosphere after in the dressing room was horrendous. Um and we were also in a relegation battle. So, like, to then try and pick yourself up from that to start, you know, preparing for the next league game away at flipping God knows where. <laughs> yeah. it was hard, you know? So, um, yeah, yeah, no, really, like, really gutting. I'm glad I'm glad that the fans see it more as, like, a pride thing. But I think at the time it was so difficult. It's like that was our FA Cup final, you know, that year. So... But because because of I think we were where were we in the league? Where what league were we in then? We were in League Two. League two and they were in League One. Yeah. And they were doing okay in League One, I think, at the time. I think that was yeah. close to they nearly got in the championship. And they had again, they I, I don't I can't remember they, they had some good players playing from them back then. They always seemed to do it. What I think it riles Wimbledon fans up how they keep signing half decent players, really annoying to say as well. And they still play the same way. But yeah, as I, I said, it. I need to tell everyone they tried to sign me. How did they? Yeah. So when I was uh, leaving Bournemouth, they tried to they tried to sign me. Okay. Can you imagine? Did, was it no because of who it was, or did it just not? Fit I, didn't, I didn't even didn't even like cross my mind. It was uh yeah that the their manager Carl blah blah blah. Oh, so Carl Robinson, he, yeah. So he um. Before that game, he was trying to get in my head. So, because um, I was captain, when you're a captain, you go into the ref's dressing room with the manager and the two captains. And he was going, you shouldn't be playing in League Two. I tried to sign you. You should be playing in my team. Like, we play proper football. Like, he was giving it all that. 
um and i just sort of let it slide but yeah they tried to sign me and i remember eric i remember when i left uh to go to bournemouth um eric's thing was like i'll let you go because that was they you know they had to went through quite a lot for me to leave but he was like i'll leave i'll let you go in one condition you never sign for for mk and i just got laughed i was like you joking of course i've never signed that and it actually you know well, they tried they made an approach we've had a couple of loan players that we've had on loan uh lauren henry lawrence been the last one he came on loan from chelsea last year and then he ended up going on loan to mk after it's different though when you're owned obviously by Chelsea and stuff. When you you're such a big part of the AFC Women's story, now, we also had I think Drew Broughton. He's played for MK yeah. and then he uh, ended up coming and playing for us, not directly from them. But yeah, that would have been a kick in the teeth. That would have been if you had gone there. I'm glad you glad you didn't. I did hear a funny story. I don't know how true this is. Was Jason Goodlife playing for us at the time, or was he around? He was there before me. Ah, right, because. I heard a story that we played MK and uh, who was it? Paul Hield, who was a Wim ex-Wimbledon goalkeeper. And he was mm -hmm. goalkeeping coach at MK at the time. He started on Robin Bedford, the hit man. Right. Jason Goodlife came out and just shoved him against the wall and said, if you touch it. Again, this is a rumour. I don't know how true it is. Or I thought it was that FA Cup game that happened. Robin. How can you start on Robin? Yeah, nice guy, Lord. Well, because Robin's proper Wimbledon, isn't he? So I don't think he yeah, shook hands yeah. with any of them. I don't think he speaks to any of them. Oh, okay, fine. So, yeah, I think they got a bit upset about that. And, yeah, he kind of, uh, yeah, Rob Paul Hill tried to be a big man. But, again, I again, this could be just made-up stories that you hear about the game and stuff like that. So, mm -hmm. but, yeah, it's it's not going to be pleasant on Saturday. Have you, I was going to say, have you been down to Plough Lane yet, Steve? Have you been down yeah. to Plough Lane? I went last season, actually, with a few of the old lads. Uh Fraser, Franks, Jolly, uh, Christian Jolly, James Mully, Rashid Youssef. So the, they invited, I think, all of the playoff winning team there. And there was about eight of us went um, watch games. Really impressive. I, I'm waiting. My son's five now. I'm waiting until he's like six or seven. And that's going to be his first game there, Plough Lane. Getting fancy bringing him on Saturday now. No, I wouldn't bring him there. It would be way too aggressive. <laughs> I, um, my boy's fifth. He's just turned fifteen, and it's his first time Is going. It? Yeah, against them because unfortunately it does get very vile, very toxic, uh, quite quickly against them, especially at home. So, yeah, it's not going to be very nice. But uh, yeah, at the moment, obviously, AFC women are in a bit of a. We haven't had a couple of good results. We lost to Doncaster on Saturday. Uh, who else? We drew with Morecambe, lost to Crawley. We now go into this game against them. How, do you think? How would you? How would you approach the game? How, as I said on our socials, we're very quiet. We don't mention it at all. All the fans want is the actual. Like we just had Jack Curry. He's been uh, interviewed by uh, Aaron Paul. Who does some media work at Wimbledon, but works for BBC London. And he said, look, can we have a battle cry pretty much for Saturday? And Jack Curry said, yeah, we're playing the franchise. The boys know what it means. It's all about the badge. Do you think that's how we should approach it? Or do you think the quiet side that Eric sticks to and stuff like that is better? Which, which would you prefer as a player? Because for me, I want to see like our captain going, yeah, we're gonna, we know what this game is. What, do you, what would you, what's the best way you feel? Yeah, I think, I think you have to. Like you're representing the fans at the end of the day. So... Um, you know, having been captain for that first game, 
we were definitely not quiet about it. Like it was, yeah, like we know, like fully aware how much this game game means. Like it's huge. Um, so yeah, we wouldn't be just saying, oh, it's just any other another game. Like, well, that wouldn't be my approach. I wouldn't be saying that. Mm. Um, it would be the fix, the first fixture I would look for if we were in the same league would be that one. Um, why is it an early kickoff? Is it on telly? No, I think it's uh, for crowd. Oh. Uh, yeah, there, there's no trains from Waterloo down on that line, so you oh. can't get to Ellsfield. Uh, so I think it's just to make sure that people are not drinking yeah. from early anyway. Till and yeah, just to keep the crowd kind of and police oh. can police it a little bit better. I'm not sure who else is playing in London that day as well regarding police force out numbers, but. I think, yeah, half 12 because of that. Because it's mad it ain't on TV. We all thought it would be. But yeah. I just don't think people are that interested in the story as much as, say, Wimbledon fans and MK knobheads, really. But, yeah, yeah it should be good. Uh, so, you we'll go off the MK stuff now because, obviously, you've answered all that and uh, appreciate that. Uh, so, you leave Wimbledon. Yeah. You went on loan to Bournemouth. They were a League One team at the time. Did you yeah, think no, I they... Signed, I signed for Bournemouth. Yeah, you signed for them, didn't you? Yeah. Came back on loan from when Yeah. We yeah. Did you ever think they were going to get into the premiership at the time when you went down to play for Bournemouth? <laughs> Absolutely not, no. No, it's crazy. Like, honestly, it's like... So, I mean, Bournemouth were... They were a good team. Like, uh, that came about weird as well. Like, I think that was just the playoff final that I got scouted and snapped up there. There was, no, there was never any sniffs throughout the season um, of me going anywhere and then obviously win the player final going to be a football league player again which is obviously the dream and then um, yeah and then I started getting some calls basically so Bournemouth were one of them and uh, my missus has been at uni at Bournemouth so I knew the place really well as a place to live hmm. and they, they just lost in the semi-final in the one playoff so I was like, bloody hell, I've just been playing in the conference and you got like top league one side coming in. Mm. But there was that sort of, it's the head and the heart thing, right? So my heart wanted to stay at Wimbledon because of what we just achieved. And I loved the club and it was my best footballing year. And that, but, but, you know, you get the opportunity to play in league one for a club that's got ambitions to get promoted. Very, very difficult when you're 24 to not, not mm. jump at that. So I ended up going and speaking to him and then, yeah, I went and uh, signed them. But Bournemouth, were, uh, Wimbledon put up a big fight to not let me go. We went to Vegas after we got promoted yeah. and uh, Brownie would barely speak to me because um, they had put the bid in. Club said no. I then was like, look, what's this going to take? You're sort of standing in the way now of my... They were being a bit sort of... Hmm. One trap mind, I think. Um, and they'd offered me a, a really Wimbledon offered me a terrible contract. Don't sound like us to be fair. <laughs> I'm being sarcastic with that. We all if I'm being completely honest, they Wimbledon shot themselves in the foot. Uh if when it's coming to, to me personally, they they didn't expect anyone to want to sign me. So I had a contract talk as we were going through the playoffs and then we got promoted and I went in two days later for uh, before I went away on holiday and they played it like 
yeah, you know, you did pretty well, but you've never played in the league properly. So you've got to prove yourself. Um, and they offered me literally a hundred pound a week more than I was on in the conference. Um, and I was like, I want to say, are you taking the mick? I've just played literally every game. Yeah. Um, and you'd offer me a hundred pound a week more than I was on last year, which was peanuts. So I went away on holiday really pissed off. And then my phone started ringing whilst I'm on holiday from like League One clubs. So I was like, okay, well, if Wimbledon aren't, don't actually want me, then this is obviously the way out. And then, and then I uh, went back, Wimbledon with them. They then increased their offer, but like still pretty average to be honest with you. And then, um, so then I was like, look, League One, double the money I'm 24 I want to I want to go if you're not gonna do anything about it and then yeah that happened and then we went to Vegas and then Brownie yeah Brownie barely talked spoke to me and then he was telling all the players to like get in my ear about staying and stuff so yeah um, but anyway it ended up happening I went to I went to Bournemouth for a I signed a two-year contract um I played 36 games in the first season did all right um they had a wage cap. So they've been in like nearly administration, right? So there was like mm -hmm. a wage cap of like 1,500 quid a week. So basically everyone was on that. So they were like really, really low paid League One club. Um, and uh, then just towards the end, about March, April time of that first season, the Russian guy came in, Max Denham, bought the club. And then that summer, it just started, you know, I was just looking at my phone every every day and it was like we signed a championship player we signed a top league one player we signed another yeah. championship player we've got a premier league player on loan like and i i just knew like i'm just thinking there's just no way i'm going to get in um so i went back pre-season manager chain they changed the manager it was still wasn't eddie howe eddie howe was at burnley at this point mm. um but they, they made the youth team manager the manager um and he after like two weeks pre-season was like going to be very difficult for you to get a game here so you might want nice. to yeah well to be fair like fair enough he didn't want me to be I was 25 then didn't want me to be sat around barely getting a kick so um then I started uh yeah looking for a loan club and I had like, quite a lot of offers from League Two and then Wimbledon said or Brownie basically rang me and was like, do you want to come back? And I was, yeah, yeah. Next day I signed there. So nice. it was an easy decision because I knew, A, I knew I was going to enjoy it. B, um, it was Terry Brown. So, and his job was under fire. So he rang me yeah. saying, I've got like three games left. And I was like, shit. So I really wanted to go there and help him. And he got sacked after like three games. Um so there was, yeah, it was an easy decision to go back on loan. So that was three months there, which was when the Wimbledon game happened. And then um, Neil Wadley was a great manager, by the way. I think yeah. you know, I was so impressed with him when he came in as a coach, uh, as, a, as a person as well. Like, I had a lot of respect for him. He really liked me. I then went back to Bournemouth and then agreed to terminate my contract uh, by mutual consent. And that was like early December, but I wasn't allowed to sign for any, anyone until January. So I had like a three, four week period where um, I was basically unattached. So I started to speak to like loads of different clubs. 
one being Wimbledon. And they did the same thing again. They like sort of, Eric's an accountant, right? So he's like, you know, I think we're second, I say we, because I always say that, but like second from bottom. And they're just like, just not willing to commit to a good enough contract to, to sort of yeah. sign, sign me. So I ended up signing for Gillian, um, who were top of League Two at that point. Um, I, th- I think we've changed the way we do our contracts now. Well, I hope we have, because before we would only, yeah, we were giving out poor contracts and or offering poor contracts, even probably up until Mark Robinson, which was a year or two ago, we were still not giving out the best contracts. And we, we'd give three and a half year deals to people that are injury prone. Yeah, and then we'd lose our best players for nothing because we only give them I one year. Like, I will sign if, like, it's not a, a stupid offer. Um, <laughs> and he was going, he was a bit gutted because he was going, yeah, I know, like, obviously I want you to sign, you know, just just let me talk to Eric again. Let me talk to Eric again. Meanwhile, I've been speaking to other clubs. So, like, I'm I'm saying to Neil, look, I've been offered this. I've been offered that. You know, you need to get close to it at least. Not, I'm not saying match it, but at least get close to it. Mm. And um, and they just they just couldn't. So, yeah, unfortunately, that was another sort of situation That's... there. Well, I, I was kind of willing to stay, but it never happened. That's a shame because you'd have been involved in the second possibly promotion as well Honestly, that we have. I say this like dead 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 honest if I had stayed at Wimbledon at that point I think I'll still be playing football now really right okay so when I went to Gillingham no disrespect to Gillingham it's not their fault I just completely fell out of love with football massively right. um it sort of happened a bit at Bournemouth to be honest and then went back to Wimbledon Fell back in love with the game again. It was like, all right, yeah, cool. And then I went to Gillingham and I just, um, I was just really, really miserable, like really unhappy in myself. Again, no fault of theirs, honestly, not no fault of theirs at all. But just, um, and then I don't want to say the mental health thing, but like certainly there was some unhappy moments there, and I just thought actually, I don't think football's for me now, and I started exploring other other things. That's a sh- that's a shame because you were such a good footballer, like you were. So when you played Wimbledon, we, what was it? Stephen Gerrard esque was the things we we were calling you on the sidelines, uh, and and when we spoke to Lewis Taylor, he said one of the biggest regrets he had was the timing of when he left Wimbledon, uh, and actually leaving Wimbledon, he wished he had a few more years there. And it does seem like we do provide a good environment for footballers. It's a fact, like even the ones we've got now, Ali Al or Maddie's just left for Ipswich. But he loved the year he had at Wimbledon because before that he was at Wickham, he weren't playing, loved it. And then, yeah, but we offer silly contracts that footballers need to be... It's probably different now, but there was a grassroots feel to the whole thing. So, and that makes it fun. Like, so there's no glamour about... The, cha- the training, you know, your train, your training grounds were literally like a park. Yep. Um, the ground at that point was obviously like a non-league ground, and so you constantly felt like you're punching above your weight. You're like, it felt grassroots, but like, I'm not being funny. That is what makes it fun. There's no ego. There's no like, oh, I don't like the way my chicken's cooked, or like all this crap that comes with professional football and like prima donnas. There was none of that. 
as uh, Wimbledon kept that away. Like there was never any, there was never any egos or like big time Charlies. And then I think you find like when you leave Wimbledon, there's it's just football's riddled with that. Yeah. Like, yeah. I was going to say because uh, obviously we need to wrap it up with uh, before that's the Wimbledon way always has been even when we were a Premier League team yeah, yeah, yeah. we were trained at Roehampton yeah. uh, which is just uh, they have rugby uh, on half the pitches then Wimbledon would play we I used to go down there as a kid and we we'd play down there if we wanted as well it was like a park pitch yeah. uh, there was no prima donnas there was no egos so I mean if they did people like Dean Ellsworth come in they'd soon get sorted out by the Fashes and the Vinnies and we'd go up to Old Trafford, Arsenal, and go, I don't care who we're playing now, we're going to beat them. Yeah. I think that's what we're kind of losing as a club now. We're getting too yeah, many friends. I, 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 I did feel that when I went there last year. And um, we spoke to a few of the friends, like, because we were shocked, like, none of us had really been there since we left. And we were all quite disappointed, really, with the atmosphere. Where oh, Okay. That's sad, that is. Um, because... We had obviously experienced this like um, us against the world mentality with Wimbledon fans. You know, I remember losing a game 3-0 and we got clapped off the pitch. Do you know what I mean? Like, or you say we lost to MK 2-1 and like you guys were proud of us. Like you always felt that from, from the crowd. I always felt like you felt protected by your own fans, which is really, really rare. Like genuinely really rare. I, I was getting booed at Gillingham. Like you'd hear your own fans calling me names at Bournemouth, and that's part of part of it, right? But I never had that ever at Wimbledon, um, and I don't think any player had it at Wimbledon. Like even if they clearly weren't good enough, I think the Wimbledon fans were really, really good at. No, he's got the Wimbledon shirt on, and we're going to back him. And that's I felt that like so we did a pitch walk at half time, and everyone was going. Get your boots on. You're better than this lot. Like, can you come back and play for us? And and although we were joking and that was funny and that, I thought, fuck, like that's not. I wouldn't want to be playing for Wimbledon, like if that's the sort of, yeah. you know what I mean. And I I was just like, ah. Oh, and we spoke to a few fans after, and we just were like, you just got to remember where you've come from. You know what I mean? Like, look at because we were there going at that stadium. Like, oh my god, this is like a dream come true for you guys back at Plough Lane and playing in the football league, playing, competing and stuff. And I think now, because you've been there so long, you've been a football league club and you're established, it's like the expectation, obviously, of that is there. And then the frustration comes when you're not performing. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, you just don't want to slip into being any, any old league two club, any old league one club that gets... You know, it's really hard, don't get me wrong, because you're following them every week and you want to see that passion. But yeah, I think if if Wimbledon is built, as you say, no no egos, no prima donnas, but also like with the fans just supporting you, whatever. And, yeah, uh, that, I think you've you've probably hit the nail on the head and I think you're spot on. I think the fans, we've, we, it's one of the things we get, we've got new fans coming in uh, as well. So yeah, yeah, yeah. We've yeah, got you younger fans coming up as well who want they see people teams winning every week and want yeah. the same with AS Wimbledon. And you've got people like myself who probably don't go as much as I used to, so I feel a bit 
bit away from it as well. So when I'm watching it and stuff or seeing the results, I'm not really taking on board what I actually would watch when I go there live. And I think I think all Wimbledon fans need to really take a step back, as you said, and actually realise where we've come from, from uh, having trials on Wimbledon Common to playing teams like Hayes and Yedin, to playing like at Luton against who are now a premiership team, you yeah. going to Bournemouth at the time who we were a League One, struggling mm. League One team to be in a Premier League team. I think we need to, yeah, I think you, you're spot on there with that, Steve. So, yeah. Yeah, and like, you know, you guys, Wimbledon are always just going to, they're always going to be successful when that team spirit's there. Like, we got promoted because of the team spirit and the backing of the fans. And when, you know, Bayo and Lyle Taylor and that, and then, then boys got promoted, you know, the way they speak about Wimbledon as well, that, you know. Exactly the same. Mm. Exactly the same. And I think that's only going to, you're only going to be successful as as one club, you know. So I get what you're saying though, new fans, like that history can't forever ride, you know. It's like you're an established club now. So people are going to pick to support Wimbledon rather than those that remember the John Fashionu days and that. So The problem is there's a bit of a, for me, there's a bit of a disconnect between the club the, the so-called owners, the fans and staff is because of... Sorry? Is there an actual owner now? No, no, it's the Don's Trust still, which is at right. the fans, but you have to be a Don's Trust member to be part of it. And then it's, it's some fans who then think they're better than others because they, do you know what I mean? And it's just a bit of a, yeah, it's just a bit of a weird one at the moment, Wimbledon. I think we're in this kind of, we're stuck and we don't know where we want to go or what we want to be. Do we want to be a League Two team and just that stroke, like not struggle in League Two, but just be mid-table and stuff and be happy? But a lot of people want us to get promoted again into League One. I think the problem we had is where we got promoted so quickly into League One, that set expectations that probably were unrealistic. Where if we had been in League Two for a little while and then, yeah. do you know what I mean, kind of mid-table. That's true. Do you know what I mean? It doesn't help sometimes. So I think... Um... I mean, I see it at Wickham as well. Like, uh, you know, that's a club with sort of similar morals, I think, to you guys were. Because I've, I've obviously been there and I've got my one of my good mates is the manager now. And that's like, they've had success recently just purely because of that togetherness, I think. Like, Gareth yeah. Ains obviously did a really good job of that. Yeah. And um, I see, I think the same about Wimbledon. I think you're never going to compete on wages and you're never going to compete on attracting the best players in League Two to go to play for Wimbledon. No, that's just fact, right? I don't think, you know, as, as great as the history is and as great as the story is, players, it's a short career. Players are going to pick money over a lot of things. Yep. Um, and so the only way you're going to be successful, really, is just having that, like, super tight-knit bond between fans and players. Yeah, and I think I think yeah, that's spot on. I think we need to get that back. Yeah, hundred percent. So hopefully people will be listening to this, and yeah, they'll uh, they'll they'll actually think about, especially on Saturday, getting behind the boys as well. Especially in that game, we need to everyone. Even if we go one 0 down, we need to be behind. You know, what I mean, the same as when you played in that game, we were one 0 down, but no one got on your backs. It was straight mm. supporting women. Stephen, fact, well, I'm gonna have to edit there because we. Uh, we're only meant yeah. to be doing 30, 40 minutes and you've Absolutely. given me about an hour. So no. I do really appreciate you coming on and speaking to us. And uh, yeah, all the best with your gyms. Uh, and, and thank you very much. Get yourself down to Power Lane again, definitely. Yeah, and come into uh, the bar. I will. I will. Yeah. I will. Which, yeah. Where do I need to go, mate? What's the best place to sit? What We sit in the East End with us, block 119. 
Yeah, it's opposite right. the main stand. We're the ones. Uh, you look, did you see Salad's flag? We had Salad's flag and the big yellow one. Oh, yeah, that's yeah, where yeah. we. That's where me and the lads sit. And I think what is lovely though that the same staff is still there. Like, yeah, in sort of ten years after being there, and they're still the same faces. It's lovely. That's yeah, good. good. Well, again, thanks very much, mate, and uh, yeah. do appreciate you coming on, and uh, all the yeah. best in the future. All right, thank you, man. The Wombles had a dream podcast by the fans for the fans. We're back for the final part of the episode where me and Danny are going to preview the big game on Saturday against Milton Keynes. Uh, are you looking forward to it, Danny, or are you not? Um, am I looking forward to it? No. I'm excited to watch the game because... It, there's obviously going to be a lot of energy to it. I'm just very nervous about aggro, as there always is in that game. And this one will be, there's a lot of energy on this game already without us playing a bit crap and all this sort of stuff. And then being decent, you've got all that animosity. And let's talk about a couple of hundred, or maybe a hundred of their guys being in our end. And you've got all of this circus that goes with it. I hope there is their so, fans in our end. I'm, I'm a bit. I'm a bit nervous about that, but I'm very, very excited about the game itself. Um, concerned about how we're playing, concerned about how they're playing. Um, but yeah, I, I, I'm kind of, I think I'm more interested to see what's going to happen over expectant, if that makes sense. I'm, I'm interested to see whether Jackson's got what it takes to really change it up. And go right. I'm 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 going to stick to my word about people who haven't earned the shirt. We're making five changes, and we're going to go this way. I'm just interested to see which, whether he's going to back up what he said, or he's going to go. Yeah, well, in training, all these lot played great. So as you were. <laughs> yeah. What do you think? Uh as football fans, we're always. I'm always thinking, I want to go because I don't want to miss us beating them. Yeah, and I think we can beat them, but I'm exactly the same as you. I'm worried in the fact that our form is dreadful. I'm worried in the fact that from the last time we played them, it's still going to be it's still very toxic. Not against them, but against each other. Go yeah, one nil down, two nil down. We lose four or five nil. That could be Jackson gone after just getting him a two year deal, and I think it will go that way. Uh, I think the club approach has been appalling this week, really bad. I think the content that we've put out has been very, very poor. And I, I think the club really need to look at itself uh, with regards to how we approach this game. We've said it before. We approached it with nothing at their place and we got our bellies tickled, absolutely embarrassed. Uh, the, I thought we might have learnt from that and we haven't. Uh, I don't know. Did you see the interview with Bugle and Reeves? I I, I could barely hear it because of the nonsense. Ridiculous. I'm not, having to go, I'm not having to go at anyone who's doing it. But as a professional football club, why are you doing it outside in the wind? I can hear someone banging their studs. I can hear people talking in the background. You've got two guys who really don't look like they're going to be there. I, I just don't get the mentality of why. And it's because we've forced their hand. Not saying well, Daz, or when we're the ones that had a dream, but the fans forced the club into actually giving us a bit back. Do you know what I mean? Uh, I thought the video we put out of the two goals we scored against them was poor. It weren't great. And then other than that, we've just had the same old video. Like, 
same old stuff. And I just think we need to approach it better to get. And I know people say, well, fans don't really need to be up for the game. But someone I spoke to the other day said after the, the, the two goals come out, they said, I feel galvanised now. We can fucking do these. Do you know what I mean? And I've, I've been putting out a video every single day, a YouTube video of our history, our story, the old days. The, the, you know what I mean? And I think that's what it needs to remind people that we are Wimbledon. We have we have already won, but this time it's for three points, playoffs possibly. Yeah, they are our rivals, no matter how you look at it, because everyone gets angry around the game. Yeah, they hate us for some weird reason, which I don't get. Right, but then that makes it even better if we beat them. Do you know what I mean? They, that's probably what they want because it gives them that edge as well. But we are Wimbledon, and and and. Having spoken to Stephen Gregory earlier, and he, he when he played in that game, he knew what it meant as as Wimbledon captain, as Wimbledon player, and he knew you had to be professional and stuff. But they knew what it it meant, and we never lied down as a uh, as Wimbledon FC when, and we never lied down as AFC Wimbledon either. I remember going to places like when we were coming up through the leagues. Do you know what I mean? There was always teams that always thought they were going to be better than us, Chelmsford's, Fishers, and stuff. We went, we bypassed them. Cool, even now. I know they're above us now, but do you know what I mean? We have to get Wimbledon mentality, not Wimbledon FC mentality, not AFC Wimbledon, but the Wimbledon mentality needs to go into this game and we fucking do them. Yeah, yeah, I don't. It's interesting because I, I, I'd be fascinated to know. And again, I'm gutted I missed the interview, really. Um, I'd be fascinated from a player's point of view. What, what would they prefer? Do they want a really hostile, loud, mm. aggressive environment against the other team? Do they want a really loud environment cheering them on and screaming, come on, boys, you've got it? Or are they not bothered? They're just going to... They'd rather it was just business as usual when you crack on. Do you know what I mean? I don't know quite know I, what what they would rather. I, I said I, I agree with a few people that have posted that we, we shouldn't sing the franchise songs and about them. Sing about us. Sing about Wimbledon. Sing Walking Down the Haydens Road. Sing Two Times Out of Non-League. Do you know what I mean? Sing all the Wimbledon great songs that we've got about us non-stop. Okay? Make it hostile for them when they're warming up, when they're coming out on the pitch. But other than that, it's all about Wimbledon. Let's not make it about them. Let's make it about us. Yeah? We're in a brilliant, beautiful ground in the heart think, of our community in do Wimbledon. You think, do you think we'll make them warm up in front of us? And then, do you know, like, obviously, at the moment, at the home games, the away team warm up in the yeah. at the south end. Do you no. think we'll go right? No, I think we'll, I think we'll switch it around this week because, as I said, I think they don't want it toxic, but they want it roaring. I this is my thing as well. I don't get why the club do not speak to people like all the podcasts, speak to all the podcasts, speak to all the vlogs. Get everyone involved. Why have we not got a tifo? Why have we not got blue and yellow? Uh, a4 kind of what's it called plastics so yeah. with with the year that we were formed what was it 1889 i don't i always get it wrong yeah yeah and have that in the east stand yeah and then have blue and yellow everywhere I have a tifo coming up with the old badge the new badge and then put not in the wider interest of football right fans would pay for that fans would have paid for that fans would have got involved but we don't because there's too many fractions within our club that want to do things their own self. And as I said, I'm not having a go at the people in the media team personally, but it does seem like we've got a media team that either hasn't got enough people in it, yeah, yeah, or they're not very good at their jobs. 
And I don't think it's the second. So why not reach out? What, where is, we've got Don's TV, right? We've got people that help out with other stuff. What, are we asking them to help out? Do you know what I mean? And get stuff out. Why not ask Reese Fletcher, who's really good at putting content out? You've got loads of people that are good at... Why not ask these people, look, we've got six weeks to this game. We want to get from Monday to the game really good content out to get our fans absolute buzzing walking down that road. Do you know what I mean? Not, not, not angry, not vile, not toxic, but buzzing to go watch Wimbledon and Plough Lane against a team that we don't like. Do you get what I mean? Yeah. And it like doesn't... You almost... And, Wanna, everywhere you go, you're inspired. You're like, right, I can't wait to go in and just start screaming about us. But yeah, watching, yeah, whether they've done that, watching Reeves go, watching Lyle Taylor's go, watching Toby Adjala's tackle, watching old games of uh, Robbie L scoring goals against Man U. Do you know what I mean? And getting us lifted because we are Wimbledon. Yeah, don't worry about them. Worry about ourselves. And we just, I think we've just totally neglected it. And the approach for me is all wrong. And it just gives fans, again, an excuse if we get turned over to say the club is at blame. Do you know what I mean? So, moving on to the game itself. Yes, Danny. Obviously, they're decent. Yeah, I'm they'll definitely They'll definitely go in as favourites. They're playing all right. What? We're favourites. We can't, we can't be. We're 6-4. to four. Sky bet. They're 7-4. to four. Cannot be favourites. Seriously? Seriously? That is ridiculous, mate. Someone um, said that. Yeah, let me have a look. What? You're Johnny Jackson. Yep. Tell me what... Oh, in fact, you're not Johnny Jackson at all. No, they're famous what... now. Sorry. They are. <laughs> um, what team were you playing? Forget what you think Johnny Jackson will do. I'm not interested in what, oh, what I would do. He will do. What will you do? 3-5-1-1. Okay. So you're doing what? Who's at the back? What we said before. Ogundia. We haven't yeah. got any other centre-backs. Paul Kay. Is he fit? I don't know if he's fit enough. And I know it's it's mad saying is he fit enough compared to Pearson and Brown. But yeah. we've seen PK this season not fit enough and he hasn't been good enough either. So who's your three at the back? Curry, Ogundir. Villa, Curry, Ogundir, Pierce, Brown. Oh, they're, they're the five? Yeah. The Pierce and Brown are basically going to have Ogundir almost you doing throw, all the leg You could work. throw John Jarrah Till in for Pierce. Because he's a centre back and he's also fit. He hasn't, he ain't been injured. He's been at Mansfield. He's been playing the odd game here and there. I don't get why. Where has he been, Dan? Absolute pointless signing, man. Where has he been? Why is okay. he not playing the games? So you're right. playing, you're playing Curry and Villa as wing back. You're almost yeah. playing light for light. Whatever you're going to play, basically what they're playing. Yeah, and then cross the midfield. This is a tough one for me. But I think we go Reeves, Ball, Little. Bugle okay. and then Kelly. So basically, no Tilly. You wouldn't think of going Agondir, Curry, Billa, and then playing Nerf, Phil, no. and Tilly? No. No. Nowhere near it. Tilly's been nowhere near it for weeks. Reeves, Ball, get that midfield under control, get balls into Bugle's feet, linking up with Kelly. Do you know what I mean? You can push Reeves on then. Do you know what I mean? You can push Little on if you need. I, I think Baldwin protects the, the, the back four. We can have, have Billa going up the right. We can have Curry going up the left. Okay. I can... I can. I just don't I know where our goal scorers from that, but I think defensively we'd be much stronger and we'll stop them scoring. And then we can worry about the rest as the game goes on. I think it's difficult because I think if you're going to play four at the back, there's almost... If you're going to put a Gondi as one of the centre-backs... But play him with Johnson or Brown. 
you still got to go deep. You can't leave, you can't have one one up, one back. I mean, you'd be a shambles. So it's kind of, uh, I don't know, you know, you're damned if you do and damned if you don't. But I, I'd be very surprised if Bill is not in the squad as a minimum. I mean, he should be, in my opinion, again, for me, he's in the team. <laughs> I'd be amazed if Sasu's not on the bench. I'd be really surprised. And I'd be really surprised if McLean is, is fit um, if McLean's not on the bench. Because I, I would have thought I, I, we, we should have those players on the bench. And to be honest, I'm not really... I don't want to lose far from it. But I do I do want us to have a real go. And I think I can, I can live with it if we lost. But we generally look like we had a go. And we... Try to get, try to do what we think is the right things, and not just pump it up and vary it a bit. And we had a couple of chances, and we lost three two or whatever. I could live with it. I don't think I could live with some rubbish one nil. Agree, and, that, and and that's a real concern. Like for me, the performance uh, and what we show is bigger than the result. Agreed. Because the last three weeks, possibly four, have been horrendous. We need to go out there, and and Johnny Jackson's been banging this. You've got a Wimbledon team to be proud of. That's what we wanted to bring back to the fans. I've not seen that. So no. Saturday is the chance for them to show us what this Wimbledon team is. And if it ain't the same as most Wimbledon fans think it is, then again there could be big, big issues on Saturday amongst ourselves more than against them. I and I think, think it's, yeah. we make it all about us. Do you know what I mean? And this is what I'm saying about the content online. It don't have to be about them. It, just make it about us. Make it about everything that we're good at and everything we do. And that's why I mean, on the pitch, I think we can do that. And I think you're right with the subs as well. But this is a Johnny Jackson side. He'll go 4-4-2 or 4-4-1-1. And the, the subs will be Pell, John Joratul, who else is on the bench? Paul Kay, Zanev, do you know what I mean? Davison. Sasu. Davison. It's just, you know what it's going to be. I'm really up on one. I'm really oh. praying. I'm absolutely praying to high heaven that he just doesn't go with this, like what we've kind of done. And he's not, I wouldn't say it's caution to the wind, but I, yeah, the thought of playing as poorly as we've done of late the Crawley game, the Morecambe game, Bradford away, and then play that against them, and then walk over us with a one or two nil. Two nil mm. would be absolutely horrendous. Mm. Uh, it would be devastating. So, what? Wh- where are you at with Saturday? Can we? Do you dare to dream? Do you? Two I mean, I think we're. Two, you think two on Wimbledon? I can't. I can't. I can't have them. I can't predict them winning. Just can't do it. I. I can see them. I could, on Saturday, coming back from Saturday, I said to mates, I, I said we'll, we could be beaten four or five nil on Saturday if we play like that. Uh, but the the boys have got to put a performance in. I think it's make or break for the season. Really, yeah, I agree with that. I've, and I, I think, I think it's, it's that bigger game. A mad two year deal given to John Jackson because it could be make or break his blooming women and career. I mean, if we won on Saturday. I don't think the fans would give too much of a toss about it. I think I think it's that bigger game. I think that you, you nick this game, and we're all walking back from the game. Oh, 100%. We'd play like won, we did. East fucking king. 
if we play like we did against Doncaster but win one nil, no one's going to care if no. a shot. We'll all be cuddling each other and having a great time. But we play like we did against Doncaster and we lose one nil. That's when oh it all goes god. to shit again. Oh my god! No, no. The thought that oh, just the thought of it. I'm with you. I, I, I just, I just feel like is this the day that we just get it right? <laughs> is this the bit where we just sort our life out, and he goes a little bit outside the box, and we just manage to free up a few players? Personally, I think it's a massive game for Tilly. I think he's the our leading scorer. He is the guy, I feel like, of when I look around the pitch, I feel like if you give the ball a bit of space, he could make things happen. And you just hope that we, he'll turn up, and a few turn up, and you just hope that Kelly gets a bit of engagement because, bless him, since he's been at the football club, he's had absolutely <laughs> yeah. nothing to work from. No, no service at all. He's been disillusioned, but... Look, look, like I said, really, really excited. The guys at work were talking about today and all that, you know, I'm a bit of an MK, blah, 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 blah. Very, very excited about what will happen. I'm just desperate, desperate to not turn up, lose to. The problem I have is they thrive on this. They know how desperate Oh, they love it. They know how desperate we are as fans. And they know they probably go there uh, and we'll get turned over again and then we've got to deal with that. I mean, in a weird way, I would be, I'd, I'd be happier losing 5-0 but get played off the park than <laughs> lose 2 Listen, Listen to what I'm saying. I could cope with them being absolutely brilliant and us just not being able to live with them and losing 5-0. I could live with that over the pathetic 1-2-0 on where we're like, no one seems interested. No one really cares. We look totally clueless if they got it and went bang 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 one smash it around here two did this top yeah, order you three mean, you'd go fucking hell but you mean how we played were brilliant you mean the way we played the way game yeah Have I we turned up like that again I don't think that Lee will be tolerated I don't think it can be it won't be the way that we literally just capitulated hmm. and my concern is if we have the first five or ten minutes and we're absolutely pony that this the ninety minutes is going to be absolutely diabolical. I feel like the whole game, first ten minutes, big tackle, get the crowd going. Hopefully, we turn up as a crowd. I'm going to be doing my absolute best just to keep energized and and keep singing and keep going with the chant and just keep moving the like the energy because hmm. it should be a fantastic spectacle. I'm hoping Johnny Jackson's got a trick up his sleeve. With the formation and tactics, maybe why some of the like Biller Biller's not been about it because he's been geared up for this game. John Joe Tall's been geared up for this game. Do you know what I mean? There's a, a trick up the sleeve. There's a different thing that we're going to do, and that's what I'm hoping because one that get us buzzing before the game as well with the formation. You see the same four four two. You're like, oh. do you know what I mean? Uh, I just hope, yeah. The, and the, also, we all we talk about the fans, right? And it is it's going to be about us on Saturday making it right, but the players really have to help us they have to go out there and do something as you said big tackles do you know what I mean don't rub their heads or tap their bums when they're do you know what I mean if they're injured stamp on them yeah. do you know what I mean do a Mick Hartford against Watford it's, but... it's, it's, a, it's a big it's a big game for our big players and it'll be very interesting to see just how good a leader Reeves is how big a player is Bougiel you know Armani Little Reeves Curries, 
what have we got in the locker to be able to do it? Because it must, as like you said, I'm a little bit underwhelmed with the way that we've gone about it from a media point of view. I thought there'd be a proper Churchillian, every player in front of a camera. I even said to my mate, I was like, at work, I was like, I would even personally get in front of a camera and be like, this is what this means to us, blah, 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 and getting all the fans just to put up their own little stories and their own little videos just to pump ourselves up and talking about this is us, this is Wimbledon, come on, this is what it means, just to kind of share those experiences. But I, I'm just, like I said, I don't, I just want a better performance. It'd be great to get like a video where you're like, right, I'm absolutely itching to go. But yeah, we'll see, mate. We will see. Yes, mate, we will. We will see. And also, I've got to say, I'm a bit disappointed in uh, the Woodman Boozer who will be housing uh, them for the, the away pub. I don't know if that was designated by the police, but I'm sure they get a saying, should have said, no, we're not having them. That's a pub I used to drink in, eat in, watch England games in, watch the rugby in. They will not be getting a blue and yellow pound off me again because they're taking MK pounds. So, yeah, I think bad form for a Wimbledon pub. Um, I, don't, I don't know how that works. I don't know how it works. I don't want to say too much because they might have been told they have to, but I'm sure if you, you own the place, you can tell people not to come in and they should have told the police to... There's no such place as a, an MK pub in Wimbledon. Yeah, but yeah. Agreed. Anyway, we'll uh, come back on Sunday with the debrief next week with another podcast. Thanks to Gary Fletcher and the boys at Season Master for sponsoring this season's podcast. Uh, yeah, me and Danny uh, will be back next week. Let's fucking steam into these bastards. Yeah? Please, please. And if anyone's going, I know it's going to be difficult. This is my last little running, Riley. I know the season has been a bit up and down. I know it's been frustrating. I know people are frustrated about a whole host of things. Can we, as a group, put this all to side and from half past 12, sod it, from midday, just go potty for our players. Forget them. They know what they are. And Mm. I'm sure there'll be plenty of charts that will go them. But it'll just be amazing to realise that for one game, if we all recognise that we're the 12th man, get behind the team, regardless of the situation, just shout, cheer, clap, do whatever you can do to make your bit. And if you do your bit and it's still not enough, c'est But let's just try and create something special. Forget your problems, forget the befores, forget the afters, forget the club, forget fan ownership, forget Jackson, forget Alhamidi, forget the bills, forget Don's trust, whatever you want to call get it. Your wife. Stick it. Well, steady on, mate. Stick it. I won't forget your wife. Um, stick it to the side, and let's just hope that we can put all of our energy behind our boys. And if we do that, who knows? Yep. Off the off the pitch. Give a hundred percent. One thing I'd say: be careful. Do not get caught. That's what I'm going to say. Right. Battle fever on this fucking go into these. Come on, you dons. Go on, you wombles. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.